0: Listener production. Okay.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> Why are you laughing? I don't <laughs> do <know>. anything yet.
0: <laughs> 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 Excuse me. Um. <gasps> <clears throat> <clears throat> Take it away, my dulcet-toned Adonis.
1: <laughs> Hello, Gistners. Welcome back for another episode of Just oh the Gist. I know. <laughs> I think it's going to be one of those recording sessions. <laughs> I just didn't know what to expect after your ding-dong motherfuckers oh. last week.
0: <laughs> See, I can only pull those out once in a blue moon because otherwise you'll always think you've got to be surprised. Yeah, true. i got to keep it fresh.
1: <laughs> Where was I up to? Another uh, episode of Just the Gist, weekly ish podcast. podcast. Stories you will want to share at a dinner party because they're fascinating. That's Rosie Waterland. I'm Jacob Stanley. Welcome.
0: Welcome. Hey, Jacob. Yeah. Segway. <laughs> <laughs> you would lose it this time. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you ever don't. <laughs> um, how are you, my darling?
1: Yeah, wonderful. The weeks keep going faster and faster and we've now reached that time of the year where people tell you when you get together how many days left till Christmas.
0: Oh, which yeah. Which is kind shivers. of
1: insufferable, but it started the other day.
0: No, I'm really pumped to put a tree up. We've got to go buy one. We don't have one here yet. And I really Ooh. want to put a wreath on our front gate, but we know it will get stolen because our our hose got stolen the first night we had it out. <laughs> so a lot of bongs were made from that hose. Mm-hmm. But um, we can't really leave things in our front. And even, so Caleb has these plants, he's been obsessed with making out because we have a massive outdoor area right out the front of our apartment. Mm. Um, And we are right in an area of South Melbourne where there's lots of pubs around and stuff. So it's quite busy and... um. He has all these planter boxes hanging on the top of the fence, and he was so furious, just furious the other Mm. day because someone in the middle of the night, I guess drunk from the pub or whatever, reached over and just pulled two petunias just straight out of the soil of Uh. the plant box. So he woke up in the – and the funny thing was I had, like, been (laughs) out and come back – and I don't look in the plant boxes. And the second he walks outside, he goes, excuse me, Rosie, Rosie, did you notice this? Did you notice this? Why didn't you tell me about this? And I said, tell me about what? He goes, come and look at this plant box. I said, I'm not getting up to look at a plant box. He's like, come and look at the plant box right now. And I go, I'm like, what? And he's like clearly there's two petunias missing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, two <laughs> petunias. And he was so furious.
1: Someone's vandalised the petunias.
0: Someone's vandalised the petunias. Um, So, yeah, he was not happy. So we can't, I uh, I really wanted to get a super like Xy, like fancy Christmas wreath to put on the front gate. And he's like, mm. they steal the hose to make bongs and they <laughs> steal the petunias. We can't have a Christmas wreath. It'll just bloody get taken.
1: Can't have nice things.
0: Can't have nice things in our front yard, mm.
1: unfortunately. Are you going to do a real tree or a plastic tree?
0: Oh, plastic. I've uh-huh. never had a real tree in my life. <laughs> Can't hang decorations off a real tree.
1: We always had real trees.
0: My grandma I've did. i never had a plastic one. My grandma did, but that's so annoying.
1: Yes, especially when you're trying to clean up all the needles
0: yes. after
1: you've like dragged it back vegan, out of the house it's And also you're a vegan, but you, you don't care dead. about
0: killing trees, tree killer, murderer. <laughs> it's basically just a shrine to death in your house for a, a month and a half.
1: That's how we like to celebrate the holidays in my family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, what did you think of um, Caleb's show, Could You Survive on the Breadline? First episode came out.
1: I thought it was very, very...
0: This that you're listening to right now air um, drops. The second episode will have aired. So, which That's we haven't true. seen yet.
1: Yeah, so we've only seen episode one. One. And I think they've set it up really well. Um, mm. I think that based on the promos, I was probably expecting to see more of a villain sort of edit for Caleb because they're sort of pitching him as the right-wing guy and there was mm. definitely a little bit of that, you know, Caleb's mm. anti-welfare state early on, mm. but then he evolved very, very quickly. Like,
0: well, it's because he wasn't like that in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I but think in the edit they, he evolved. I think they were hoping he would be a massive villain and they were probably disappointed he wasn't as villainous as they hoped, and they've sold the show in the promos on him being that, but it's, you know, like all reality shows, they can't really edit things that you haven't said. Like everything Mm. you say is fair game, and I think they made him as villainous as they could Mm. based on what they filmed, and I think he came off okay.
1: Certainly fair, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was fair. Mm. Yeah, so... um. It was an interesting first episode. I do know that um, this week's episode, which airs on SBS at 8.30, by the way, first I got the name wrong and then I got the time wrong, so I have not been the best. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, tell the people at SBS I gave your show the biggest plug on the podcast, and he was like, you got the name wrong and the time wrong. (laughs) I was like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry. It's Could You Survive on the Breadline? And it's on 8 30 Wednesday nights. Mm. Um, and then it's on SBS on demand of obviously. Um, but this week Caleb bursts into tears.
1: Mm. Can you tell us more or you're just gonna give us I that know teaser?
0: what it's about mm-hmm. because I was talking to him each night. Um but I don't really know the details. He told me what it was about, but I don't know the details of mm-hmm. what happened or why or but yes, if you would like to see Caleb Bond burst into tears on camera, mm-hmm. this week's your chance. Mm. Yeah, so anyway. Um, oh, breaking news.
1: Yes. Time for that. <laughs>
0: Breaking news, a breaking news, I got the scope of CXXX, read all about it, A breaking news. It's coming down the wire. Okay, the only thing I want to talk about, I've got a few things on my list, mm-hmm. but Matt Doran and this Adele interview.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. All I know is one Instagram post about this. So what Instagram explain post it you to you I don't know who put it up there, but... What I know is that Channel 7 were not allowed to air an exclusive interview they had with Adele because at the end of the interview, she'd found out that the interviewer hadn't even listened to her album. And so her record label said, we will hold on to that footage. Thank you. You will not be airing it.
0: Yeah. So this is just the biggest example of why are men of people saying the meritocracy is a real thing of entitled straight white dudes always thinking they are overqualified to do mm. things that they are extremely underqualified to do. Mm. This guy, Matt Doran, is uh, has been the crime reporter at Channel 7 for a long time. He also mm. hosts or fills in as a host on Weekend Sunrise. Um, and Channel 7 paid $1 million to get the exclusive rights to the only Australian interview that Adele would do. There was a bidding war between all the networks. Channel 7 paid a million Mm dollars. So they got the rights to send a reporter over to interview her one-on-one and they Mm -hmm. got the rights to like, you know, show the concert and the Oprah interview or whatever. Like they paid Mm -hmm. a million dollars. And he flies over there, interviews her, Mm -hmm. and I don't know... What he must have asked, or how terrible the interview was, but it was so bad that at the end she said, Have you actually listened to the album? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm <laughs> dying to know what he asked, that it was obvious he hadn't listened. And he mm. said, No, I haven't. And then, like, apparently. I the, everyone said, oh, she stormed off. I doubt it. I think probably her publicity people were just like, F you. Like, we mm. paid a lot of money mm. to fly you out here. And, like, they fly them out on business class and they put them up in a nice hotel and, mm. you know, like, it's all – it's a. and then he hadn't even bothered to listen. And so mm. this came out. And the thing is, someone at Channel 7 leaked this story. Uh-huh. So I think there's some, like, probably a woman – who was just so effing furious that this mediocre man put in zero effort to this thing. And literally after um, it was obvious that he hadn't listened they said, well, you, we have veto rights on the interview, so we're not letting you show it. Mm-hmm. So Channel 7 paid $1 million for an interview that they weren't allowed to use because the <laughs> reporter they sent didn't listen to the album and didn't even do a basic level of research so that he could even <laughs> pretend he'd listened to the album. I mean, one Google search and it shows it's about her divorce. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, you know, at its simplest, it's about her divorce. Like, you could have asked – anyway – So this is a million dollars that got wasted on this man and he got no, there were no consequences. At first it was like rumored that he'd been suspended for a week, but he hadn't. Mm -hmm. So zero consequences. And so I think there was some pissed off woman at Channel 7 who was like, how the F did he get away with just blatant disregard for the most basic duties in his Mm -hmm. job? Mm -hmm. Um, So the news got leaked and then it just exploded with everyone being like, what the hell? And then today he came out. He did an interview today with The Australian in which he said the album had been sent to his email, mm. um, but it was part of it, it. They had sent it. It was like an e-card invite. Uh-huh. So you had to like click in through the e-card and then open the album to listen to it. Mm. And he was like, so I just saw it was an e-card and I didn't think anything of it. So I just missed it. I missed the email. Oh. I didn't realise Um, But then also the album was released before he got to London. So even if he didn't Mm. listen or before he got to the US, so even if he didn't listen to the advance copy they sent him, he could have listened to it just when everybody else got it Mm. before the interview. So he basically just said the dog ate my homework, my bad.
1: Oh, my God. We never did the readings for uni. And would just show up and try to figure out a way to bluff through Yeah, but it. no one
0: was paying us a million dollars to that's do them. Right, yes. Like, the thing that gets me is, and someone mentioned this to me this morning. I don't know if you remember, you probably don't, because this is when you were completely tapped out of the news cycle. There's this amazing journalist called Natasha Exelby who's really funny. And there was this viral moment that went around of her on the ABC. She was um, a newsreader on the ABC. And they had cut to a news story... And they cut back to her at the desk and she was daydreaming looking at her pen. And so she didn't realise that the Mm. story was over and the camera was back on her. And it was literally like maybe one or two seconds. She was like Mm. just dawdling, looking at her pen. And then she looked up at the camera and went, (gasps) and then started talking. Mm. And it was kind of like quite an endearing Mm. viral moment. Everyone was like, oh, this newsreader didn't realise, blah, blah, blah. She got fired. Oh, She got fired for not realising she was on camera for three effing seconds and this guy does this and there are zero consequences.
1: Wow.
0: They paid a million dollars and flew him to another country to do a once in a lifetime interview with one of the greatest Mm. recording artists of our time, a job that, so many people would be dying to have, and they mm-hmm. send the mediocre white man who doesn't even listen to the album. I'm sorry, but get effed.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Why are men get effed? Yeah. I am just dying to know how bad the interview was. That she literally said at the end, "Have you even listened?"
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> like it must have been so obvious. I
1: really want it to leak. I really want to see oh, it.
0: Please. To the amazing pissed-off woman who leaked the story in the first place, please, we must have the footage. <laughs> please also leak that. I must know. I must know.
1: <sighs> oh. What else you got?
0: Um. Oh, so speaking of mediocre men, he's a man that a lot of people like, but and he does seem very sweet, but this is just something that I could not get over. So... I know people aren't really watching The Bachelorette this season. It's getting Mm. the worst ratings it's ever gotten. I've tuned in a couple of times and it's been so boring that I just uh, haven't even stuck with it. But there's this guy called Conrad Mm. who everybody really likes because he's super in touch with his feelings. He's very willing to cry. He seems to sort of go against conventional ideas of what masculinity should be. Um, He seems like a really cool, sweet, decent guy. Mm. But then the date he had with Brooke that got him sent home was just (laughs) the most blatant example of men thinking they are exceptional when they're just really not Mm -hmm. so she was like so um you know what do you see you know in your future like Mm career-wise what are your plans and he was like you know well I have been a carpenter but I quit my carpentry job to come on this show Mm -hmm. so I'm thinking now I'm not really sure I'll go back to that like And he just kept giving these wishy-washy answers like, you know, I just feel like, you know, I am like – like meant to just connect with people on a deep level. And I don't know what it's going to be, but I am going to be involved in something where I really like connect and move people in a way. Like I'm going to make a huge difference, whatever that may be. He wants to be and an she,
1: influencer. And she,
0: yeah. And she was like, so what, what does an ideal, an ideal day look like for the two of us? And he's like, well, you know, I get up really early at like 5am. So I'll like, you know, maybe go for a surf take the dog for a walk and then I'll have coffee and breakfast for you when you wake up. And then I reckon, you know, we just like chill, maybe have a picnic for lunch and like, and then see what we feel like for dinner and cooked. And she's like, yeah, I mean, it's nice to do that sometimes, but when we leave here, I have a job Mm. and I have to go back to doing my job, which makes Mm. me very busy. We can't all spend every day doing that. Like, what's your plans? And here's what got me. he said look, I don't mean to sound cocky and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know specifically what it's going to be, but all I know is I'm going to be really successful. <laughs> and her Brooke's face was just like, oh, God, okay. And then he got booted at the next <sighs> rose ceremony. But I was just oh. like, the amount of guys in my life I have met who have thought that about themselves, mm. like, I can't even tell you. I'm just going to be big. I mean, obviously he wants to, he thinks he's going to be a big famous influencer and he is really sweet. He has been really popular. This probably will make him quite popular, but to just be like, look, I don't know what it is. I just feel in my bones that I am meant for success. It's like, oh, do you white man? Mm. (laughs) Which of you don't? (laughs) Matt Doran thinks that, and then he went to an Adele interview and he didn't listen to the album. Yeah. So join the club.
1: How old's this this Con- Conrad? Conrad?
0: Conrad, I don't know, He he's maybe like 25, I think. Okay. Mid-20s, I think.
1: So kind of in that age group where becoming an influencer was like a career option when you were in high school. I guess. Sort of.
0: mm. I guess. But just that, I don't know what it is. But I am destined for success. <laughs> I am entitled. <laughs> yes. Great I am wealth. entitled Fame. to be successful. Mm. I just find that really. And the thing is, he is really sweet and everyone loves him. And Abby, even Abby Chatfield, our favorite past uh, bachelor contestant, mm-hmm. got caught pashing him a few weeks ago. Oh. Um, so I, you know, he, I, but that to me, maybe it's age, like, but I'm 35. And when I hear men talk like that, I'm like, no. Sorry, get a job, get a real Mm. job, like Mm. do an actual thing, do some actual hard work. Sorry, no, no time. Like what we do. No time for you. (laughs) Get a podcast and then talk to me. Get a once a week (laughs) podcast and then talk to me about hard work. (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty much breaking news. And this week it's your turn so I can relax. And I really wanted to tell you that a couple of people have asked me, like just Caleb and the producer here, um, oh, so what's the episode about this week? And I know so little about Australian politics that I have so confidently been telling people for a week that this week you were doing an episode on Gough Whitlam. <laughs> <laughs> Which you're not. <laughs> Please tell everyone who you're actually doing an episode on.
1: <laughs> Easy mistake to make. So just a bit of background in case people don't know. I never know what topics Rosie's gonna do, but I always tell her in advance. So Because I'm a she's control sort of freak. Prepared as to what's coming down the wire. Oh well, no, um,
0: just because I um I'm the one in charge of scheduling which episode goes when and mm. and just so like we don't double up and do like two true crimes in a row or something, I just exactly. always get you to tell me so I can schedule. Yeah. I'm not a psycho. <laughs> um, I was so, implying yeah. that. So Jacob told me a week ago what he was doing and I was like, yep, clocked it, good, and then all week I've been telling people who asked that you're doing Goff Whitlam just completely, com- and everyone's kind of gone, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <I> like, <wouldn't
1: laughs> touch that, that is way too dry
0: But the episode you're actually doing is far more interesting and exciting Please tell everyone what you're actually doing
1: It is, yes This is going to be the story of the Prime Minister who disappeared into the ocean, Harold Holt
0: Yes, and mystery, conspiracy, excitement Not just some boring random guy whose name I've for some reason have filed in my brain as the only other possible <laughs> Prime Minister
1: Put them in the same category <laughs> There are Someone, anyone. There's black to and white me, photos of.
0: I think as you sort of remember the ones that were around when you were a kid. And so for mm. me, the earliest prime minister I remember is John Howard. And anyone before that is just Gough Whitlam. Mm-hmm. So I don't know a lot. But uh-huh. I do know that this guy drowned and it's a big mystery.
1: Yes. You probably, though, only know like the four sentences that most of us know. And this was all that I knew that one of our prime ministers disappeared on a beach sometime mm-hmm. in the past he was assumed to have drowned we then named a swimming pool after him yeah, I as know. a memorial I do know that. because that's the type of humor we enjoy in australia and then yes there were a bunch of conspiracy theories and claims that the whole thing was more of an unsolved mystery than just a mundane accidental beach drowning those were the only things i knew
0: yeah like the the only thing i know is that i i didn't even Know that much. All I knew is that he went swimming at the beach and they never found him again. Yeah. I'd have no clue about And if you had told me today, oh, they did find him, and I'd be like, oh, did they? Like, so mm. I, I really don't know. I know nothing.
1: It's just for me as well, it was one of those peripheral awareness stories. Mm, and same. I'd kind of then filled in the blanks for myself. Like, I just sort of assumed that he must have said, I'm off to the beach and then he never came back. And then they found his clothes on the beach and went, oh, yeah he must have drowned or been taken by a shark and just sort of left it at that for everyone, which is why there were conspiracy theories. But it's not quite that simple.
0: Oh, I have a question. Um, oh, you'll probably answer this. But was he prime minister when this happened?
1: He was, yes. Oh, so
0: we literally had a prime minister who disappeared. He was in power
1: at the oh, time. Oh, wow. Yes.
0: See, I didn't know that.
1: Mm. Oh. Yeah. Hadn't oh. been for very long um this was it was coming up on 2 years as pm okay. um and this was 1967 when the incident occurred i'd also kind of assumed that it'd be around like the 20s or 30s or something but it was 67 yeah. okay. um when this happened it was december first weekend of his christmas break and He'd had a rough year. Things weren't going smoothly in Australian politics while he was in charge because the Vietnam War was going on and there were all sorts of transitions into decimal currency and lots of boring sort of infighting in his Mm. party. So he was keen to take a break, go and do some of his favourite things, which were swimming and snorkeling and spearfishing and stooping his mistresses. So.
0: I was going to say, oh, they're all your favourite things, except that last one. <laughs> yeah, just
1: cross that one <laughs> off. Um, yeah, so he, while he was in power, he was frequently getting away to his beach houses as often as he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, when he'd do that, he'd be able to meet up with one of his mistresses, because he did have several. Um, and this weekend was one of those dirty weekends that he was having away. He left Canberra after work on the Friday evening, flew down to Melbourne, and then drove down to the Mornington Peninsula, which is a couple of hours south of where you are, down at the very bottom of Australia. Um, And the weekend, he was just going to be hanging out with one of his special lady friends, and he didn't have a security detail. He never had one when he was off duty. He liked to just live his private life completely privately. And the whole weekend was just going to be cocktail parties and tennis games and barbecues and swimming. And it was all of that until on the Sunday, he decided he wanted to take his mistress and some of her family members to go and see this solo sailor guy.
0: Can I ask, this is kind of just not the point of Mm -hmm. your story, but... It is crazy that he can just openly have mistresses like that to the point mm. where he's even inviting her family places. Like, right. I guess mm. this was just the, he was the prime minister.
1: Swinging 60s, baby.
0: I mean, I don't give an F about people's sex lives. That's one of the things where I'm like, when I find out a politician's been sexting someone, I'm like, I don't, whatever, man. Like, mm. as long as it's consensual, you do you. Like, it doesn't affect, but like, it, that would not happen now. Where's his Mm. wife? At the lodge, I guess.
1: She was, yeah, back in Canberra getting ready for, because they were going to be hosting some Christmas parties back in Canberra. So he left her there to take care of that. Um, So it was just an open,
0: it must have just been an open secret. that he. It was a don't
1: ask, don't tell situation. Yeah. Yeah. So his wife, Zara, she spoke quite openly about the fact that she knew he had a girl in every port Mm. and she just didn't worry about it too much and probably, you know, kept him occupied and away from her. Well, hopefully,
0: um, she had you know a pain in every port. Herself. I would
1: like to think so. She think had a lot so. of power in the relationship. She was far wealthier than he was.
0: Oh, good, mm. good.
1: Yeah, okay. she wasn't a timid little lady by any yeah. means.
0: Mm. Okay, well, that makes me feel better about it.
1: Hmm. Um. But yeah, the mistress. Her name was Marjorie, and mm-hmm. she was at the beach house, which was next to Harold's beach house, with her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend, and then mm-hmm. another family friend. So you've got the daughter, Viner her boyfriend Martin, and then the friend Alan. They all piled into the car so that they could drive out to the end of the peninsula and watch this guy who was sailing around the world sail Mm -hmm. his yacht into Port Phillip. It was as underwhelming as you would imagine. So they sort of went, "Eh," got back in their car, went to drive home and spontaneously Harold decided he wanted to go for a swim. And they all said, yeah, okay, that'd probably be nice, but Portsea Beach, which is the main patrolled swimming, swimming beach, was closed because the swell was too big, the tide was too high, it was just too dangerous. Yeah. So he said, that's okay, we'll go to my favourite little beach, Cheviot Beach, which is kind of a little private beach that's part of an army training area. Not mm-hmm. anyone can access it, just like members of the public.
0: It kind of has to be like clearance. people in the know.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: Oh, but you have to actually have clearance.
1: Yeah, which he had as oh, Prime Minister. Oh, because
0: he's Prime Minister. So, oh, so it's like an army thing, but... He was mm. allowed.
1: Yep. Oh, um, so he drove up to the gate and he was just sort of wearing his casual civvies. So the guard didn't recognise him and told him, sorry, sir, you can't come in here. And he just sort of pulled down his sunglasses. And
0: he, he said, I'm Goss Whitlam. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Harold Holt, Harold Holt.
1: <laughs> Son, I'm the PM, let me through. Um, and the little army boy was very embarrassed, let them through. Yeah. They drove down to the beach. They parked, climbed down this really rocky cliff Walked over the sand dunes. There was not a soul around for miles, which might sound nice and idyllic, no. Stupid. but yeah, it, the sea was very angry. That All day.
0: Australian kids who grow up on the coast, so which is basically like most Australian kids, because most mm. of our population is on the coastline, are taught you do not swim anywhere that is not patrolled by mm. lifeguards. And even in those areas, you have to swim exactly between the flags. You're always told swim at patrolled beaches because we're taught things about like rips Mm -hmm. and sharks and, you know, a little secret spot may seem romantic, but you're going to die.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And they could see that straight away when they got there. There was driftwood all along the shore and the waves were really big. Marjorie and her daughter Vina said they absolutely weren't going in and they didn't think the boys should go in either. And Harold just sort of laughed that off and said, I know this beach like the back of my hand.
0: Like an underqualified man going into an Adele interview. (laughs) I'll be fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What could go wrong?
0: What could go wrong?
1: Um, I think you should Google right now, Cheviot Beach and have a look at satellite view just to paint a picture because this is not a beach like Bondi Beach. Yeah, C H E V I O T Gistners. I'd recommend you do the same.
0: Cheviot beach. Images. Oh yeah. This is like even in these images of a random photos, it looks like mm. a wild bit of beach.
1: Lots this of is not big somewhere that box. I would
0: feel safe swimming without mm. patrolled lifeguards.
1: Yeah. Not many people would.
0: And there's, yeah, there's big jagged rocks right off the sand. It's mm-hmm. like, this is stupid, Harold. Stupid. Yes. Stupid move.
1: Very reckless. But because yeah. he was going in, the other boys felt like they had to go in as <gasps> well. Um, they got to the water and Harold straight away just swam out in a straight line wearing his board shorts and weirdly his sand shoes. Um it's
0: dumb. A- they weigh you down.
1: Yeah, odd. Um, Alan and Martin, they went to go in, but they only made it in up to their knees and wouldn't go any further because the current was way too strong. And
0: So the way you're explaining it now, it already seems pretty obvious that he was just overzealous and drowned mm-hmm. yep. or got taken by a shark, but more likely drowned. But yes. okay, I'm waiting to Completely overconfident.
1: More. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Martin got out. He grabbed his girlfriend, Viner, and they decided to go for a little bit of a walk. Alan Mm. went back up the beach to have a chat with Marjorie. And while that was happening, it was getting windier and windier by the second. You know how the Mm. weather can really turn in Melbourne and sort of get really dramatic in a short space of time? That was going on. So Marjorie was getting pretty worried watching Harold. She'd had her eyes glued to him the whole time he'd gone in the water Mm. because she didn't want him to go swimming. And so she started waving for him to come back in because she could see that he was going out way too far and he'd probably been taken by the tide. Yeah. And Alan was standing next to her and just as he said, does he always swim this long? They suddenly saw Harold just get sucked out to sea like, and Marjorie described it as being like a leaf on a stream, just boom, gone.
0: That's what a rip does. Yeah.
1: And he was completely out of sight. He didn't call for help. He didn't show any signs of distress or struggling. He mm. wasn't waving his hands or anything. He was just swimming along calmly. Path. And then, yes.
0: I mean, do people Zoom. in other countries call them rips? Is that Do we need to explain like a rip is where um, you're swimming in the ocean and then there is a particular, like a very specific spot in the water that suddenly gets a very fast current that pulls you out to see that mm-hmm. you could be one metre to either side of it and not get caught in it. But mm-hmm. if you were in the exact wrong spot, you will just, you you have no chance. You
1: just four get pulled kilometers. out. Yeah, four yes. kilometres
0: literally. Mm-hmm. It's like, and they teach us when we're learning how to swim here, particularly if you're learning to swim in the ocean, like because I did nippers and stuff when I was a mm. kid, which is where you do that like, lifeguard training at the beach. And um, you you can sort of see it on the surface, like certain water looks rough and then water a metre away from it looks smooth. And you can, mm. But it's very, if, if you're not extremely well-trained in spotting rips, you're not going to know. Yeah. And it's how most people drown in Australian beaches, I think, is getting caught in rips.
1: Yeah, and it happens to dozens of people every yeah. year. And it often does happen to people who are very experienced. They've spent yeah. a lot of time in the water, but still they get caught out by it. Yeah. And that is what happened in this situation. Wow. So, so they actually
0: saw it. They, they were looking it at him and he just went. Pew. Yep. Wow.
1: And Marjorie just started screaming. They had no idea what they could do. There was no point swimming out after mm. him. So all they could do was stand together and scan the surface of the water and hope that he was going to reappear. And it's
0: 1967. There's no phones. There's no, Mm -hmm. like, you'd have to leave and drive somewhere. And wow.
1: That's right. And then Martin and Viner got back from their walk and they were like, what's going on? Marjorie was beside herself and just started screaming, he's gone, he's gone. And that sort of snapped them out of it. And they were like, okay, we can't just stand here and watch. Mm. So Alan ran back up the cliff, got in the car, sped down to the army base, found that little (laughs) that little dude. <laughs> no, this boy.
0: Oh, I was gonna say he's the only, hes the one that you've got to go get.
1: Yeah, and was like, um, the prime minister's just disappeared off <laughs> the horizon. <laughs> the little Boy's like, um, what? Oh no! And Alan's like, quick, we need helicopters, we need divers, we need boats, and the yeah. boy's like, it's Christmas break, hardly anyone's here. Um, oh, I'll do my best. I'll oh. try to rustle up some people. So it took. A short while, well, a mm. couple of hours, until they could get people down to the beach. Um, but once they did, and the search commenced, it obviously became the biggest search in Australian history up till that point. They had the navy, the army, the air force, the police, fire brigade, ambulance, coast guard, yeah, surf lifesavers, salvation. I mean, army, what you everybody. imagine
0: like? Can you imagine today if that Mm -hmm. was SCOMO or like any major Australian political leader, Mm. it would have been that. It's so hard for us to imagine (laughs) because nothing's ever happened like this again. Yeah, Mm
1: -mm. Because of this, something like this will never happen again. Um, Yeah. And I mean, the search was incredibly difficult because the weather kept getting worse by the minute um, and even though it had started off as quite a nice sort of warm day, Mm. it ended up being unseasonably cold, super windy and stormy and everyone was struggling, but the divers were having the worst time of it because they were down in water that basically looked like milk. They couldn't even Mm. see a meter in front of their faces and they were getting smushed around like they were in a washing machine smashed up against rocks, but they just had to sort of keep going because the prime Mm. minister was missing and it was dangerous for the boats as well that were up obviously on the surface. One of them capsized, and so all the people who were in that boat had to be rescued by other rescue boats. So the water um, was
0: that like choppy and mm, crazy that a boat capsized?
1: Yeah, which it often is in that area. So that mm. part of ocean, more than sixty ships. Sank there in the 120 <laughs> years leading what? up to this event. Yep. <laughs> mm.
0: And he was like, I can swim by myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can do the Adele interview. <laughs> 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 oh, okay.
1: <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It's called Cheviot Beach because the Cheviot ship sank there. And yeah, mm. within a four kilometer space, it's just like some of the most treacherous sea yeah. to sail. But they had no choice. They had to be out there. They had to try to find the prime minister. Um, They were all quite well aware, though, like with all those shipwrecks that happened, all the hundreds of people that died on them, their bodies were never recovered because they were just swept off towards Antarctica. So like within the space of a few hours, they'd pretty much come to terms with the inevitable. But again, they couldn't just let go of hope. They had to hold on to some sort of shred of belief that he might be out there somewhere.
0: And that is the way at the bottom of Australia, uh, which is Melbourne where they are, mm. uh, uh, unless you're talking about Tasmania, there is lit- the next stop is Antarctica. There's that's nothing. Right. There's nothing mm-hmm. there. We're the bottom and
1: mm-hmm. uh, that's us. Mm-hmm. So if you
0: get swept out to sea, you're not going to hit any other country, any other place until you hit Antarctica. That's it.
1: Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of sharks in that water as well.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, no. You'd get eaten before you mm-hmm. get
1: there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You wouldn't make it that far.
0: Australia's the safest place, you guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, so they kept searching until it was too dark and mm. they had to just give it a rest for the night. And after six hours of around 400 people searching, the only thing they'd been able to find was a shoe, mm. which turned out to not be his, which I was really disappointed by because this had such yeah. Melissa Caddick vibes.
0: Oh, I know. Oh, mm. oh, what's the deal with... Oh, I'm going to... Look that up for breaking news. I wonder where that's at.
1: Yes, we'd like an update next on that. Week, Thank next you. Next week. Yeah. Um. On that day, the media found out about this. The disappearance before Mm -hmm. the government found out about it because someone in the Victorian Police Department had leaked it to the press that a VIP celebrity had gone missing swimming off Cheviot Beach and the media knew that that was his favourite beach so Mm. they figured, okay, it must have been Holt. So they sent radio and TV crews down to the peninsula to start broadcasting updates 24-7 because the whole country was just like, what? And then that just... Spread out from there, the entire planet was Mm. just fixated on this story because no one could believe that a world leader could just (sighs) disappear off a beach like this. And straight away, a lot of countries started running stories to reassure their own population this will never happen here. This is a uniquely Australian (laughs) phenomenon. Don't fret, this could only happen in that country. And the newscasters were sort of given the task of trying to make it seem like there was more than just a teeny tiny shred of hope that he could be Mm. alive. So they were making it seem like it was a search to find their living prime minister as opposed to a dead body. But everyone was aware by 5pm, really, there's no chance that he's survived something like this. Um, That evening, Harold's wife, Zara, flew down from Canberra. She started talking to the press quite frequently over the following days. Marjorie did a live TV interview as well where she That's described so exactly what she'd seen. Yeah, That his
0: mistress could do a live TV interview and everyone's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's his so mistress.
1: At the time, she was just acknowledged as his neighbour. Oh,
0: but please.
1: Everyone <laughs> could <laughs> yeah. tell. Yeah,
0: mm. wow, Different time.
1: Yeah. Um, so this was, you know, even before OJ and even before... What was the other big one? Lorraine of Bobbitt over Mm -hmm. in the US. Like this was 24-hour coverage that people were totally gripped by. I mean, at Um, least
0: Australia's first specific one.
1: mm. Yeah. Um, And some people were watching, hoping for a miracle, Um, but most people had sort of come to terms with the reality and understood that, look, the world has to keep spinning and we're going to have to swear in a new prime minister. We can't just keep waiting and hoping for him to show up. So... Holt was declared dead and they planned a memorial service that Friday. So he disappeared on the 17th and then the memorial was on the 22nd. And it was huge. The President of the United States came.
0: Who was the President?
1: Lyndon B. Johnson.
0: Ah, Lyndon B. Johnson. Mm Okay. The one that everyone forgets because like Nixon and Reagan were right around there. Oh, and JFK, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's... um, Was he Liberal or Labor?
1: He was liberal, but okay. he did have some quite sort of independent policy ideas, hmm. which put him in conflict with his party. But yeah, he was liberal, quite like conservative.
0: You don't have to declare him dead that far. I mean, you can swear in a new leader without being like, and we're putting him in the ground metaphorically, and that's it. Like, that's mm. fast.
1: I guess they just wanted to sort of have an air of certainty. Does that
0: feed into the conspiracies though? Like, why? It certainly why does. They, okay. Yeah. Why okay. are they rushing through <laughs> this?
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really big deal. Televised globally. LBJ was there. Prince mm. Charles came out for it mm. as well. Imelda Marcos was there, looking very extra. She was the only person wearing like a black veil of, of mourning. She, was. <laughs> <laughs> of she course made she was. herself quite a spectacle. And then once the memorial had happened, then Christmas happened and New Year's Eve happened. Mm -hmm. And every day the search kept going on and they Mm -hmm. weren't finding anything. So more and more psychics and astrologers started stepping forward Mm -hmm. saying, I will be able to use my skills to find the body. There was even a letter from a member of parliament in India that had been addressed to the Australian High Commissioner basically saying, hear me out. My friend is a very skilled mystic slash palm <laughs> reader, and yeah. he's had a vision here in India, and he knows exactly where the body is, and he can show you where to dig. If you'll please just fly him out to Melbourne and escort him <laughs> to they? the premises, I wish I could say that accepted that offer, but no. Okay. Um, all of the offers of help that they received, they've kept on record. As well, part of I the mean, national archives.
0: From Because I am a true crime obsessive, I will say that when there are offers coming in from psychics and all that, people of their ilk, they do take them seriously and they do often take their statements and they do listen to what they have to say, not because they believe it's real, but because often people who are actually the murderer will, Mm. like, talk to someone who then doesn't want to get involved, so they call up and say, I'm a psychic And um, I think that the body is in X place and then quickly hang because they know something but they don't know how to tell that they know something. So the police often take those um, stories seriously just because they're like, you know, most of them are wrong but there could be someone who does actually know something who's just trying to figure out a way to tell us that they know something. So that's why they file them all and keep them on record just in case,
1: right? I thought they were just archiving it for historical preservation. Well, that was really I mean, adorable. maybe they were
0: because it was the prime minister. But yeah, in in other like crime investigating, That's they cute. they think like, well, I mean, if if someone told you that they had murdered someone and you didn't want to get involved and you were really scared and there was an anonymous phone line, mm. you would just call and go, "I'm a psychic and I feel like the body is in this specific place." Bye. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. someone told you and you didn't know what else to say. and
1: Got to take so, yeah. it seriously.
0: Yeah, that's ah. why they, That's why the police always take them seriously or at least file them and acknowledge yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's really interesting.
0: huh? True there crime tidbit.
1: In this case, I don't think they were taking any of them no. seriously because there <laughs> really wasn't a need to. They um, literally drowned, but okay. Yeah. And they kept searching for the body until January 5th when they finally called it off. But by that stage, the search really was just a couple of times a day, people would walk up and down the beaches Mm. to see if any bits of him had washed ashore. Um, And then the police officially declared the cause of death was accidental drowning. But because there was no body, there couldn't be an autopsy. And the law at the time as well was, if there's no body, there can be no coroner's inquest. Mm. And those facts, amongst other things made people quite suspicious the Mm. whole situation just seemed so farcical and bizarre and impossible world leaders just don't disappear into the ocean Mm. like that and this time was very much defined by paranoia and espionage and conspiracies jfk had just been assassinated a couple of years earlier the cold war was going on this was at the height of the vietnam war as Mm -hmm. well um, just recently, someone had tried to assassinate the leader of the opposition party in oh, Australia. Oh, really? Yeah, um, oh. they shot a gun at him while he was in a car what? and just fortunately missed. Yeah, I never
0: heard about this. Okay, Nor had so...
1: I until I was researching this. But yeah, there were lots so of people are on edge. assassination attempts. Yes, and they're assuming the worst. Yeah, yeah. and so. Okay. They thought this accidental drowning story just stank mm. of foul play and the conspiracists found it really easy to point to things that they thought were evidence of lies and deception going on, starting with the fact that the family and the police saw no need for a more detailed investigation than what had already been mm-hmm. done. They were just content with the explanation that he was sucked out to see. So their perceived complacency fed the speculation And it also seemed very convenient that there couldn't be a coronial inquest because the body was gone. And it also seemed like a very convenient coincidence that on the day he disappeared, the Australian newspaper ran a story with the headline, PM advised to swim less. On the front page, the very day
0: (laughs) he disappeared, yes. What was the story? Who had advised that?
1: It was an interview with his GP, uh-huh. And the GP was explaining that, yeah, the PM has a shoulder injury from playing football when he was a kid, and I've told him he needs to play tennis less and swim less. It was just a little fluff piece.
0: Yeah. How that old was he? happened to come
1: out the day he disappeared, 59.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was just a silly fluff piece, mm-hmm. but it just was a weird...
1: But mm-hmm. was it a
0: coincidence? Was it?
1: That's what we've got a question, yes. And but also,
0: was, if it was a conspiracy, why would they publish a story saying that? Like, wouldn't you try to keep what you're doing a secret? You
1: want to like, be a little more subtle, yeah. <laughs> mm. And it was already on public record that his press secretary, Holt's press secretary, had told him he needed to spend less time doing dangerous things like spearfishing Mm. And that Harold Holt's response had been, what are the odds of a prime minister being drowned or taken by a shark? Like that was... This,
0: oh my God, (laughs) this is the same as Matt Doran going into that Adele interview without listening to the album. This is the same as Conrad from The Bachelorette saying, I know I'm going to be successful, I just don't know how. It is literally like the odds are the same as any other person. You are not special. If you literally swim out to sea, if you swim out in the middle of the ocean with nobody around in shorts and shoes, (laughs) you will probably drown. So, like, what are the odds? The odds are the same as they are for anyone else. You entitled piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, why are men? Why <laughs> are men? What are the odds? I'll go into this interview, and she'll notice I haven't listened to the album. Um, pretty high, pretty high. <laughs> I can't believe how today's breaking news Ooh. is just tied in so neatly with this. Uh. Ugh. <laughs> Why are men? Okay, so continue. <gasps> uh, that just set me off.
1: I know. I mean, he was very, very arrogant and just believed that he was invincible. And that was sort of the image that he'd cultivated for himself as mm. well. And everyone was very much aware of Harold Holt as this super fit, athletic, virile man, especially for 59 years old. He was sure. often photographed wearing his wetsuit and diving gear at the beach. Mm-hmm often surrounded by young women in bikinis as well. It was very sort of James Bond kind Mm -hmm. of vibes. And people really liked that about him. And they kind of found it difficult to believe that he wouldn't have known how to read a rip and that he wouldn't have known his own limitations as well. So that made them more suspicious because they were aware of him as someone who, you know, was very sort of, each experienced and very fit so sure. they sort of they said, just
0: didn't mm. they didn't think hmm is it strange that like a straight white man overestimates his skill and ability to do a thing mm. I feel like it's so impossible to believe that it must be a conspiracy you know the people who think it's a conspiracy are the straight white men <laughs> no one else does i'm sitting here going he drowned cuz he was stupid <laughs> It's other straight white men going. Well, he said he could do it, so he must have been able to do it. Mm. No. Yep. No. Okay, mm-hmm. keep going. This is annoying, but <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: Um one of the things that he'd made known about himself was that in parliament when he was bored, he would just hold his breath for as long as he could and oh, what a was hero. really proud of that. What an intelligent <laughs> smart man. <laughs>
0: What a feat of what oh. a feat of strength he's proving. Yeah. That's what found toddlers that impressive. do. That's what toddlers do when you don't <laughs> separate their green food from their yellow food. Like I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God.
1: <gasps> oh, okay. <sighs> so then they started poking holes in this idea that he would have even gone swimming at all had it been that rough. And then they were saying, well, Marjorie's account, that's got some holes in it as well. Why can't she remember what stroke he was swimming? Why can't she remember what way he was facing? Um, they also revealed that there was an incident on that same beach back in May of that year where he'd had to be rescued by his friends because he was out spearfishing in rough water and they had to pull him out because his snorkel was faulty and he inhaled and ingested a lot of water and Rosie's about to explode. i was like, what? He had done this once before? <laughs> Mm-hmm. He had
0: done this once before. Only months earlier, he had been out in the water and realised it was too rough and he needed rescuing and then he swam out by himself again.
1: hmm <laughs> And on that day, he had to be rescued. He had his fins on. He had his wetsuit on that made him more buoyant as well and he had his snorkel. And I am yep. sorry
0: that I keep saying this, but it's just like... I can do the Adele interview. I can do it. I feel like I need to put that on a T-shirt as like secret code for men thinking they are qualified to do a thing they cannot do. I can do the Adele interview. <laughs> That's why he, he just swam out into the water in May, almost drowned, had to save him. Went back in December. I can do the Adele interview.
1: <laughs> this, this is a great <laughs> merch opportunity. <of>
0: <laughs> I can swim out into this rough ocean that I once needed several people to rescue me from and there's nobody Mm. here but my mistress because I cheat on my wife constantly. (laughs) I can do it. I can do the Adele interview and out he went and never came back and then all the other straight white entitled men who think, it's impossible that he couldn't do a thing he said he could do because I can do anything I ever say I can do. Mm. Are all insisting that it's a conspiracy. And it's like, no, he just drowned because he couldn't do it and he was stupid. Mm.
1: He'd had a heart attack recently. he as honestly, well. what, what, what? Say that again. <laughs> He'd had a heart attack not long prior to this as well, which yeah. they tried to cover up as a there you vitamin go. deficiency.
0: Oh, of course. And honestly, is not the most entitled thing ever to say that I am entitled enough that the ocean will not do what I don't want it to do? <laughs> I am stronger than the ocean. <laughs> the ocean will not kill me. The ocean cannot kill me, even though six months ago I needed to be rescued from this particular part of the ocean and recently I had a heart attack and I'm 59. Mm. But no, the ocean cannot kill me. I am stronger than the ocean. And then the ocean Mm -hmm. was like, get effed. Mm -hmm. And then all the other men were like, no, if he said he was stronger than the ocean, then he is stronger than the ocean. And if he's not stronger than the ocean, then that is suggesting that we are not stronger than the ocean and we probably are. So it must be murder <laughs> from another person like his mistress. I'm sure they
1: blame his mistress. That was one of the theories, yes. Of
0: course it was. Mm. It's not the ocean. It's his mistress.
1: Mm.
0: Oh, this is making me furious. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> I'm losing it. I'm
1: losing it. It always happens with conspiracy theories. The fact that the media and the government were trying to make this story more palatable by giving mm. more context, like the heart attack and the almost drowning at the same beach, just made people more convinced that they were being lied to. Yeah. So the more the government okay. tried to convince people, the more they sort of refused to believe. And more and more information was coming out as well about. His affairs and his mental health. There were suggestions that he might have been depressed and possibly even suicidal and reckless on that Mm -hmm. day. Um, And the official narrative, people, it just didn't sit well with them. Then it came out that there was a bullet hole found in the window of his office in Canberra shortly after he died. And then from there, things just kept swelling. Yeah, it is true.
0: What was the bullet hole from?
1: They weren't able to figure out where it came from. Right, okay. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can imagine what this would have been like if the internet was around at Mm, that time. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Um, Then the theories were just sort of being spread word-of-mouth style at the pub. But a lot of people, and I'm talking thousands of people from around the world, put pen to paper and sent letters to the Australian government saying, look, I know someone. And here's my theory of what really happened. I've been doing my own research. A friend
0: of a friend of a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Who knows things. Um, Again, all of those letters have been kept in the National Archive and you can Mm -hmm. access some of the best ones of them. I'll put up a link. Um, Some fringe media outlets then started picking up those stories as well and were sharing the theories more broadly, and some of those theories are still kind of popular today. And it's, again, a little bit like Melissa Caddick in the sense mm. that the theories fall into one of two main bundles that either he made himself disappear or someone else made him disappear. So, but not
0: that he just drowned.
1: No, no. Yeah. No one's ever going to accept that. Yeah. So the first bundle that he made himself disappear, we'll start off with the idea that he faked his own death. Mm -hmm. And this story goes that the moment Marjorie saw him disappear, he swam underwater as far as he could get and he had that amazing (laughs) legendary lung capacity so Mm -hmm. he was able to make it all the way around the headland to the next bay to the east. He came ashore, he ran up the cliff, there was a car there waiting for him who took him and one of his lovers off to go and live their lives in France. And this is one of my favorite stories because it's pretty much just a game of Chinese whispers that then became this theory. Um, based on a reporter recalling a story that one of his colleagues told him about a time he'd met a guy at a pub who'd claimed that he worked for the Australian government in Mm. covert operations Mm. and that he'd been personally tasked with sneaking Harold Holt in and out of Australia not just once, several times, back and forth between Australia and France. And that was then supported by reported sightings of Harold Holt in the French Riviera and around the Mediterranean because he was just living it up in Europe for the rest of his life.
0: Mm. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a theory about what happened to Harold Holt. But Mm -hmm. in order to believe that, you've kind of got to ignore the fact that he had a really sweet life already as a... Said he's got a mistress in every port mm. and he had a very rich wife who was happy wife. to look the other way. He had kids and grandkids that he adored. He had buckets of money, two holiday houses. Like he was allowed Lots to do country. whatever he wanted as well. Yeah. So can why hold his would breath he throw for that away? a really
0: long time. Just ask him. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah, sweet so- life. It
1: doesn't really make sense that he would be throwing that away unless you buy into a same-same-but-different theory. This theory was made pretty broadly known via a book that came out in 1983, Mm -hmm. and it claimed that the Prime Minister was a spy for China. And Mm. the book was called The Prime Minister Was a Spy. And it claimed that he'd been working as a secret agent for the Chinese government from the time he was at university and he'd continued to sell state secrets to the Chinese for decades while he was making his way up the ranks of Australian but then politics.
0: why would he tap out right when he becomes prime minister and is about to have access to all the best secrets? Like, why would you tap out while you're prime minister? That seems stupid.
1: Because ASIO was onto him. He knew oh, he was going to get caught. Sure. Mm. Okay. So the evidence that they use to sort of flesh this story mm. out, if you can really call it evidence, is the fact that when he was at uni, he did a um, assignment. On China, So he went to visit the consulate. That's mm-hmm. on record. And then once he was in power as prime minister, he opened up trade routes with China and he started to abolish the white Australia policy so Chinese people could migrate to Australia. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that he was so sort of pro-China in that sense, that's really all they've got to operate right. on. But they wrote an entire book based on this theory that they've pulled together, mm-hmm. which essentially says once he realised that he was about to be sprung by ASIO, he asked his Chinese handlers to extract him. So they helped fake his death. He just had to get to the extraction point at Cheviot Beach, <laughs> take a deep breath, swim down, meet a couple of scuba divers who then escorted him to a Chinese submarine, <laughs> ah, that took him off to Beijing <laughs> and he lived the rest of his life. You can't
0: open a submarine from de- you got to come up to the top. All the the water gets in.
1: Oh, they've got a special, like, chamber, like when you're going in and out of spaceships.
0: Oh, sure they do. Mm.
1: It is a possibility, but it did not happen in this case. Yeah,
0: it did did not happen, but
1: okay. It's a very Dan Brown version of events and Mm -hmm. rubbish. We'll call it rubbish. And it was ridiculed by most people, but... It managed to sort of enter the zeitgeist enough, and it was sticky enough, that to this day, for a lot of people, when you bring up Harold Holt, straight away they'll make a joke about, oh, the guy that was taken away in a submarine to China after he faked his own death. It's one of the theories that sort of stuck with people the most. But what's
0: the end game of that theory that he just lived out the rest of his life in China? Is that... Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And when someone put that idea to Zara, her response was, "He didn't even like Chinese food. <laughs> there's yeah, no way that happened." Yeah, my first thought was,
0: "Oh, well, yum cha every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome." <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: That's Wasn't not, his bad. It's
0: not what happened, but yeah. Okay.
1: Mm. Um, so then there's the theory that he didn't fake his own death, but that he took his own life. And I won't dwell on this because mm. don't need to. This um, is
0: the main like. I've heard a that he drowned and b that he did it on purpose. That's mm. this is the main other theory that I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, so yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning because a lot of people do still believe it. And this mm. kind of kicked off with Life Magazine. The, they were the first publication to run this story, and they featured claims from people that he worked with and some friends who said that he was severely depressed. Quite anxious, very stressed out about everything that was happening at work. And he was quoted by people as saying that he believed he was never going to make it to 60 years old because, like I said, Mm. he was 59. His father died when he was 59. He'd lost other men in his family quite young. Yep. Um, Earlier that year, his own younger brother had died at fifty seven, mm. quite suddenly, and that had had a big impact on his mental health and probably just reinforced this idea of well, the men in my family die quite young. Mm. Um, other people started coming forward with suggestions he was being blackmailed by the husband of one of his mistresses, right. and so the theory was he'd decided to end his life in a way that would appear to be accidental and tragic, with witnesses who could verify that it wasn't unintentional, so it wouldn't That's sort of reflect not... poorly on his legacy.
0: That may make sense if they hadn't started the day to do something completely different. Like Mm. they'd gone out to look at this guy sailing on his Mm -hmm. yacht and then that hadn't been interesting. So then they'd got like going to the beach was a completely random spur of the moment decision. Mm. So I just, that doesn't fly.
1: Yeah. But it keeps coming around. It was dismissed by the family. It was dismissed by a lot of people who were very close to him. There were no real signs of... Depression, mm. and there were no indications that he was planning anything like this. But in 1985, someone wrote a book about it. Even in 2007, on the 40th anniversary of the disappearance, Ray Martin hosted a TV documentary that basically asserted that they believed the leading really? theory was that Holt had taken his own life. Yeah.
0: What? Really? Yeah. And the
1: family were really unhappy about yeah, that. Yeah.
0: I- too what a thing to assert like mm. you do not know I'm not saying that it's like I know that it's often problematic to say well they weren't depressed or they had shown no signs of mental illness so there's no way they could have killed themselves that's often problematic because mm. generally people don't show signs and it and you can't really call it but to actually have a <laughs> a TV special where you assert that this is what happened mm. when really he literally swam out into v- a very precarious part of the ocean mm. in which a lot of people, most people would have drowned if they'd swam out there. That's That seems like a really irresponsible thing to insist upon mm. that it was on purpose when it quite clearly could not have been mm. or was not. I mean, at least there's no way of knowing if that's what it was.
1: No. Um, I mean, after about 20 years, Marjorie herself, the witness, did sort of flip in a sense and say, well, looking back, there was no way that anyone could have thought they were going to make it back if they went out into that water. So I do now think that he was intentionally going somewhere he didn't think he'd be able to come back. But I'm with you. I think he genuinely thought Yeah, we've talked about
0: who... He was pretty arrogant. He had a lot of confidence about his ability to swim. He had a lot of confidence about his ability to hold his breath. He had a lot of confidence in his knowledge of that particular beach. Mm. He'd been there before. I think this is someone who just misjudged. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm completely with you on that. So you and I are aligned with his family who believe that it was definitely not suicide. Yeah, He believed he was going to make it back to the beach. Yeah, I
0: think
1: so. Yes. So let's talk about the theories that fall into the bundle of someone else made him
0: disappear. (laughs) Um,
1: First off, one that I've already mentioned, that it was a jealous husband. Possibly Mm -hmm. even Marjorie's own husband may have found out about the affair and then may have orchestrated to have the (laughs) the family be there on the day. Um, Yeah, okay. Yeah. And what? Were you just
0: waiting under the under the surface of the ocean to pull him down by the ankle. Like, how did you make it happen? That's silly.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, what the theory puts forward is that he was maybe, you know, murdered on the shore and then they just tossed his body into the water all working collectively because the only witnesses were all connected to Marjorie. It's a very soap opera passion. Yeah theory but it's not a very nice one and there's certainly no evidence to back it up Mm. Um, the next theory is that he was assassinated by the Vietnamese and Mm. this sort of states that they would sent one of their agents to slip him a time delay drug that would make him lose consciousness (laughs) or even just kill him (laughs) shortly after he'd taken it so by the time he got in the water that's when the drug kicked in.
0: Oh, but, so they knew that we're going to give him this on the off chance that he might feel like going swimming mm-hmm. 20 minutes later, but it's our one chance and that's it. So <sighs> he is hoping that's it. Mm.
1: It is a bit silly. I mean, the theory sort of expands to say, oh, they didn't necessarily know he was going to go swimming. They were going to wait till he passed out and then they were going to kidnap him and try to brainwash him into pulling the troops out of Vietnam. All very preposterous. Mm. Um, The other assassination theory that's got more backing than the Vietnamese one is that he was assassinated by the CIA. And this theory suggests that they took him out because they'd heard rumours he was planning to take troops out of the vietnam war which is a claim Mm. that some of holt's colleagues backed up they said they did think that he'd realized he'd made a big mistake by sending more and more troops over there and that he was at the very least going to bring back all the conscripted soldiers within the next few months and Mm -hmm. america wasn't happy about that so (laughs) they had him eliminated
0: yeah Mm. bye yeah okay sure i doubt it
1: (laughs) Even if the CIA did take him out, how would they have known where he was going to be swimming that particular day and how were they able to just wait underneath the water in surf that rough? But, of course, someone stepped forward to generously provide some context to help people understand how the CIA managed this. A bloke called Gary came out (laughs) of the woodwork.
0: Listen to Gaz. Gaz knows.
1: (laughs) Gaz speaks the truth. Yeah. He launched a website in 2004 where he said that he'd been a diver with the Australian Navy and that he himself had killed Harold Holt the night before Holt was reported to have disappeared and then he'd disposed of the body, which meant that Holt was never at Cheviot Beach at all mm-hmm. on the 17th and all the people claiming to be witnesses were just actors Mm -hmm. and he says that he was recruited to the Navy and they used mind control tactics to turn him into an assassin and he was then rented out to the CIA to eliminate Holt and after he'd done it, his memory was completely wiped and then they put implants in his neck that meant he couldn't speak or hear or write for the next 30 years until the implant wore off and he was well again and he was able to remember what he'd done and he started mm. sending out letters to right, everybody. Right, when
0: people interested and probably willing to pay him for his yeah. story. That's convenient. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, he wrote to coroners and judges, politicians, he even wrote to the President of the United States and he published all of the letters on his website, which is, mm. if you're keen to look at it, harold uh, net. Yes. Um, and you can see there all of his other findings as well about COVID being a lie and 9-11 being an mm. inside job and lizard people ruling that's the world. That's an unwell a,
0: man. That's an yeah. unwell man.
1: That's the thing with these claims and these theories that people put forward. They get attention and they have the potential to sell books. Mm. And that's why one of Harold's own grandchildren, Robert Holt. <gasps> He hosted a book launch at his little independent bookstore on the Sunshine Coast in 2009 for a book called Ripple Effect. <gasps> and Ripple Effect was written by a guy who claimed that he knew someone who'd been part of a spy organization who tried to kidnap Harold Holt the night before he disappeared just so that they could try to talk him out of sending more troops to Vietnam. To Vietnam. But, yeah. The claim was... The military found out he was going to conscript more Australian citizens, so they decided to intervene by abducting him and trying their best to change his mind. But, oops, they strangled him to death by accident. And so then they had to get rid of the body, and then they orchestrated the whole he went swimming and was dragged out to sea story. Why does
0: the grandson believe it so much that he hosted a book party for it?
1: Surprising, right?
0: Yeah, mm. but why? I don't
1: know whether he believes it or not or he just thought, look, this is a story that still has interest for people and if I host this event, then I could potentially make a bit of money and get some right. publicity for okay. my bookstore. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm, so he owns a bookstore. Okay. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and it was published as fiction but with a very clear caveat that this is based on yeah. fact, this is based on interviews with this anonymous source. Like The Devil Wears
0: Prada was fiction but everyone knew it was about working at Vogue.
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and look, there's going to be more of these theories that come out in the future. It was 50-something years ago, but these things still just keep coming out. It's like the Dyatlov Pass episode we served a few months ago where people are interested and so they want to hear new takes and so every now and then someone's going to step up to the plate with a new take that's going to get them attention, potentially make them some money as well, if they can claim to provide some new information about a story people find compelling that's got an element of mystery to it.
0: Look, I'm not going to lie. A bunch of the theories you just floated to me, I'm sort of going, "Mm, maybe, Mm -hmm. but then I'm like, but no, no, no. (laughs) He was just a mediocre white man who Mm. thought he was more skilled than he was. Which, what's that thing that they say, Occam's razor? The simplest explanation is often the correct one. Mm -hmm. He literally was just an entitled man who thought he was better at swimming than he was, Mm -hmm. thought he was better at doing a thing than he was. And he had the arrogance to swim out into an ocean that he'd been rescued from before. He'd had a heart attack recently, but he still thought he was good enough to swim in that water. And he got sucked in by a rip and he drowned.
1: Yep. And I actually think that's a really interesting story as far as like cautionary tales go. So I don't really get why people want to reject that and think of something that's more creative because they find that too mundane that's or not, maybe mund- like I mean, say- to
0: women, it's not mundane. It's like, yeah, and <laughs> mm. everyone. Mm. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's, that's the, the dynamics of that situation, the gender dynamics of that situation and, and just the personality dynamics of that situation. I find that really fascinating to think about and explore that he was able to do that and nobody stopped him and Mm. he didn't stop himself because he literally I mean they often say that politicians have to have a certain level of arrogance to think that they are brilliant enough to lead a nation Um, and possibly that arrogance and that sense of his own brilliance is what led him to think he could win over the ocean Mm. he could beat the ocean Yeah, nobody can beat the ocean even (laughs) sharks die (laughs) Nobody beats the ocean.
1: It is like you would know the story of Icarus flying too close to the sun. Yes, of course. Right? in yeah. Greek mythology, like he knew what the rules were. His father was very clear about it, but he didn't think the rules applied to him, and he could just yeah. do whatever I'm he special.
0: wanted. I'm special, like it ended in Conrad tragedy. on The Bachelorette. I don't know what I'll do, but I'm just telling you, I know I'm going to be special and successful. <laughs> like. And just like Matt Doran, I know I haven't listened to this album, but I can go in and I I don't, I can interview Adele. It just all (laughs) so perfectly ties together today. And it's no surprise that it's because I chose Breaking News to talk about two mediocre white men overestimating their specialness. And I just think that is what happened here. And nobody mm. wants to admit it because he was our prime minister and you want it to be a grander, more exciting story. But it's like, no, it's just an entitled man overestimated how special and brilliant he was.
1: Mm-hmm. Pumped and the hubris. ocean was
0: like, lol, no.
1: <laughs> We've got a lesson to teach you, son.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm.
1: So that's the story of Harold Holt. That's why we have this expression in Australia of... Doing a Harold Holt when you just need to disappear real quickly. Yeah, That's
0: just gonna do a Harold Holt. Where
1: this is based, yeah, and um, wowzers. Let us know, of course, if you disagree with us. We both clearly think it was just a matter of hubris and toxic mm. masculinity leading him to overextend himself, and then mm-hmm. off he went on a one-way trip to Antarctica. But <laughs> if you've got a different theory or a different take on the theories we've put forward, by all means, get in touch. Instagram, email Just the
0: Gist Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know. Um we give you just the gist, but if people want more, uh, what can they explore? JK. I'll
1: pop some links in the show notes. I'd love for you to see some of the letters that came through from yes, the psychics I and astrologers and um, yeah, some of the folks who'd written in with theories they had. Um, And also some really good video footage because obviously that's all been archived. So the stuff that Mm. was being broadcast live on that day in 1967, um, yeah, gives you some pretty good context. And, of course, you see the beach and the conditions that the divers were trying to work Mm. in. The poor things, they were getting ripped to shreds, getting bashed up against these rocks, and they just have to keep going down again and again.
0: The one Google image search I did when you told me to before, I was like, Mm. that's a rough beach.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: He swam out in board shorts and shoes. Shoes. Yeah. What? Come I'm on, buddy. Guessing
1: because there are so many rocks there. Rocks. You, yeah. yeah. Like you're inevitably going to have to stand up because that's the type of beach where it's suddenly shallow, deep, shallow, but deep. Still.
0: So, mm. Silly, <laughs> silly, 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 silly. Not silly. Mm. Hubris. Hubris. Mm. Arrogant. Entitled. You cannot beat the ocean. You cannot say you're going to be special with having no plan and you cannot go to interview Adele without having listened to her (laughs) album. Let this be a lesson from Harold Holt to Matt Doran that you cannot be (laughs) entitled enough to think that you are overqualified to do something that you are incredibly underqualified to do. This has been just the gist. Thank you so much.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listener.